The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? Divisional round preview. The NFL's Elite Eight take the field this weekend starting on Saturday with two games finishing up on Sunday with two more. And out of those games, we will have the teams that will play for the right to go to Super Bowl 58 in February. Good gravy. And, um, yeah, it's it's a mixture of teams, uh, a few that none of us thought would be here, uh, uh, mixed with teams that we definitely thought would be in this position. Four very interesting matchups that, believe it or not, really could go either way. So let's talk about why and get down to it. This is the Divisional Round Preview episode of the fourth phase. So let's get started. Welcome to the fourth phase presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now your host, Larry D. When this season began, I don't think anybody, or at least this guy right here, did not predict by any stretch of the imagination that the Texans, the Packers, or the Chiefs, or excuse me, the Chiefs, what am I saying? The Buccaneers would be uh, in this position. I mean, the Texans and the Buccaneers, I actually envisioned being somewhere towards the bottom of the league when the uh, final power rankings came out at the end of the regular season. I mean, the Texans... If you go back to draft day, when the Texans made the deal with the Cardinals so that they could pick two and three to take C.J. Stroud and then trade it back up from like 12 to three to take Will Anderson Jr., giving Arizona their first-round pick in 2024, amongst other selections, um, a lot of people were saying on that day that, man, with with like Arizona, you know, basically is gutting the roster. They're 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 starting from scratch with Monty Ford, the brand new uh, general manager, with Jonathan Gannon, not Cooper. I don't know where the hell I got Cooper from, but Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach, uh, you know, replacing Cliff Kingsbury, and you know they're 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 going to take all their lumps this season. They're going to be without uh, Kyler Murray for at least the first half of the season, if not more, and it was more, and. You know, they could very well be in a position next season to be drafting one and two because no one was expecting much of anything from a rookie quarterback, a first year head coach, a first year play caller, uh, and Bobby Slowick, not to mention they were rebuilding their roster uh, as well. But here we are, nine months later, the Texans not only made the playoffs, but they won the division with CJ Stroud, with, with Will Anderson, and others. Uh, and it all worked out. D'Amico Ryan's was fantastic as their, you know, as a first-year head coach. Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator um, for the Texans, doing a great job uh, getting C.J. Stroud ready, putting together a game plan that could help him, protect him, and also have him succeed 
all at the same time. And even though they had some lumps here and there, they started 0-2 and everything like that. But once they finally got their feet underneath them, uh, actually it was more like once the team finally caught up to what C.J. Stroud was doing, because he's pretty much been fantastic from the beginning, then things really started taking off for the Texans and, like I said, culminating with a division title uh, and a playoff appearance. And then last weekend, you know, doubling down on that playoff appearance by winning over the uh, Cleveland Browns last weekend. The Packers, I mean, I wasn't the only one who said the Packers weren't going to make the playoffs this year. Not just this hardened Bear fan who was thrilled not to see Aaron Rodgers in a Packer uniform anymore, but everybody thought that this would be a transition year. Not that the Packers would be one of the worst teams in the league or scraping the bottom of the barrel or anything like that, but that, uh, you know, with Jordan Love being a first-year starter, and Matt LaFleur finally being able to run his offense because Aaron Rodgers would basically doing whatever he wanted out there. Granted, he was being successful, but he was pretty much running the offense himself uh, these last three years under uh, LaFleur, or four, was it four? Either way. But, um, you know, we'd finally be able to run his offense the way that he wanted with a quarterback who was, you know, basically been learning it for the last three seasons. So he wasn't your typical first-year starting quarterback. I mean, it... For all the talk about the Bears either, you know, keeping fields or trading him so they could draft Caleb Williams is like I'm. I was like I hate to use the Packers as an example of something that the Bears might want to think about, but you know this is we. You know, Brett Favre came in. He wasn't a first year quarterback when he came in. Uh, he sat behind Don Mikowski for a little bit before he took over. Then they drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005. He didn't start. Until 2008, he became a Hall of Famer on the heels of Favre being one. And now, after sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for the last three seasons, Jordan Love comes in and, you know, right off the bat, he was fantastic. I mean, he, again, took his lumps early, but really came on, I think, since like week, like the last 10 games of the season, 21 touchdowns, one interception. And that's not including uh, what he did to the Cowboys last weekend. So, I mean, everyone everyone was thinking, including myself, or hoping, I guess, that this would be a down year for Green Bay, that, you know, they would eventually be back. It's what Green Bay does, but that at least there would be one year where they would stumble and not dominate the division. They didn't win the division, but they won nine games. They made the playoffs, and then last week they went on the road and beat the highest seed not playing last weekend by dismantling the Cowboys, which made it for a very difficult week for the Cowboys on whether or not like it was legitimately a concern that Mike McCarthy might get fired and that Jerry Jones would move on. That's how devastating that loss was for the Cowboys. So, and then finally the Buccaneers, I mean, come on, Brady retires Their, uh, you know, their, 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 uh, offense was in shambles to begin with, had plenty of pieces. Godwin, uh, that tight end Otten, of course, uh, you know, um, the wide receiver whose name I'm Evans, Mike Evans, uh, as well, they had some pieces um, on defense, Antonio Winfield Jr. and, uh, and you know, Vita Vea and, and guys like that on that side. So it wasn't a complete and total rebuild, but this was also a team that held on to dear life for as long as they could to the players that helped them win a Super Bowl in 2020 and last year resulting in a, in a division title, but at 8-9 and nine being the worst division in football and a very early um, exit in the playoffs last season no one thought the Buccaneers despite starting 2-0 and would be
be in this position at the end of the year, especially since this was a team that in the middle of the season lost six out of seven. So they were kind of, after having that 2-0 start, and they were in first place for a cup of coffee, and then throughout the season, they lose six out of seven games, including a few inexplicable losses that I know they'd love to have back, uh, namely the that one against the Texans where they had them beaten, and then they let C.J. Stroud charge down the field and score a touchdown with no time left uh, on them. But, uh, you know, it's... You just didn't think this is the position they would be in. But thankfully for them, the NFC South has been a mess all season long. Everybody but Carolina, who, you know, obviously went 2-15 and 15, uh, this season. But everybody but Carolina was in first place at one point or another throughout the season. And they were just the last team to have their, uh, you know, have their claws dug into it. But then they've, they've validated the season that they've had, the struggles that they've had, winning the division – by going out and beating the defending NFC champion uh, on Monday uh, in against Philadelphia, so I mean it was, I mean nobody would have thought these teams would be in this position, let alone making the playoffs, let alone winning uh, a playoff game, and yet here they are, one game away from the conference championship, and yeah, man, it's not completely out of their own possibility that they could all do it. It, it really isn't with the way that these three teams are playing right now. It, this is, I don't think this is going to be like the wild card round where it's like, you know, five blowouts and then the Rams and the Lions came. Because last weekend, as far as exciting, nail-biting football, was boring in that regard. I mean, it was fun watching the Packers beat the crap out of the uh, Cowboys, as much as it pained me to say that. It's true. You know, the, the Cowboys, they fought and scratched and clawed all year long to finally put themselves in a spot where they could be at home for as long as humanly possible in the playoffs. And maybe if they're lucky, they'd be even home for the NFC Championship game, and they piss it all away in the wild card round in the most despicable way possible by just absolutely getting railed by the, uh, by the last team to get into the playoffs uh, this year. So, But, I mean, it's like pretty much every game was like that. The Texans blew out Cleveland. Um, you know, obviously the Packers beat up on the Cowboys, the Buccaneers 32 to nine over the Eagles. Are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, the chiefs, uh, 26 to seven. So not a complete and total beatdown, but definitely one where there was never really, uh, the result was never in doubt, uh, kind of thing. So I think this weekend has the potential, especially the, uh, the main event of the weekend, if you will, Buffalo and Kansas city to, uh, be uh, a much more exciting Weekend. Think of 2021 when the Rams and the Bengals went on their runs to the Super Bowl. That divisional round between the Chiefs and the the Bills. That game with you know the 13 seconds, which is why the playoff overtime rule exists for that game alone. Uh, right there, that's why that rule uh, exists. That amazing game that the Buccaneers and the Rams played uh, in Tampa, uh, the, and just the, the the Bengals' entire run, the going on the road to beat the number one seed in the uh, in the Titans and then going into Kansas City for the NFC Championship game and having to take it to overtime to beat KC in their own building to go uh, to the Super Bowl and then the exciting NFC title game between the Rams and the 49ers. I mean, it's, it was just one of the best playoffs that I've ever witnessed um, in, in, in my short time on this planet, all 45 years of it. So that would probably be like just off the top of my head, Probably one of the more play uh, my, my one of my favorite playoff runs 
uh, in the in the history. So let's go ahead and dive into these games. Well, first up on Saturday afternoon, we have the Texans and the Ravens, and we were just talking about the the Texans and the amazing run that they've been on uh, since the start of the season, and and it was pretty much uh, you know at the beginning. It was very much kind of like, uh, you know, the Bears uh, run last season in 2022 where you were seeing very promising things from our quarterback and Justin Fields and the, mostly with his legs uh, and, and how the Bears were being productive and keeping themselves in ball games despite the fact they ended up losing every one of those uh, games. That's kind of how the Texans started the year. Uh, despite being taken to the woodshed by the Ravens in week one, they lost 25-9 to nine, uh, in Baltimore. C.J. Stroud was impressive. He took his lumps, but he didn't throw an interception. He didn't turn the football over. The Texans didn't lose the game because of the rookie. That didn't happen. And then week two uh, against the Colts, you saw a little bit more uh, from C.J. Stroud. They got blown out a little bit by the Colts. The Colts, you know, going on a, on a pretty crazy run at the beginning of that game and then kind of holding on uh, to the lead. But then week three comes, and they go on the road and they beat the Jags. Then they, go, then they beat the Steelers, 30-6 to in week number four. Then they go on the road, they lose to the Falcons, which wasn't the biggest surprise because the Falcons were undefeated at home at the time. But then they beat the Saints. Then they choke against the Panthers. So it was this kind of back-and-forth thing. But ever since that loss to the Panthers, they went on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven and three, seven and yeah, seven and three run to finish the season. And with that win over the Colts in week 18, clinched a playoff berth. And then later, thanks to the Jaguars losing to the Titans, won the division. So they're at home last week against the Browns, which was a rematch of their last loss of the season three weeks prior in Houston uh, Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper hook up for 260 something receiving yards and but it was also a game that CJ Stroud didn't play in and so it showed a really great um, adjustment by uh, D'Amico Ryans and his defense because they completely shut down uh, the Browns in that game and uh, shut them out completely in the second half as well. So it was a little bit of a back and forth in the first half, but the big difference in that first game being that C.J. Stroud wasn't there. He was still suffering uh, from concussion uh, protocol uh, after losing that game to the uh, to the Je- uh, Jets on the road. And, you know, he's, he's in that game, and you can definitely see the difference. And Davis Mills wasn't bad. In that game, he didn't throw any interceptions. He did throw two touchdowns uh, in that one, but there was definitely a difference between C.J. Stroud being out there and Davis Mills being out there to the tune of a forty-five to fourteen win uh, for the uh, for the Texans, and that earned them a right to have a rematch with the team they started the season with. So, is this thing going to come full circle? They start in. Baltimore with a loss to the Ravens. Will they end the season in Baltimore with a loss to the Ravens? Now, talking about the Ravens, easily the most dominant team in the league this year. They led the team or led the league in sacks with, I believe, 60. So a little bit of a drop off from like the 70 that Philadelphia had 
last year. But nonetheless, they led the league. Um, one of the more, I think they have the stingiest scoring defense uh, in the NFL, if I'm not uh, mistaken, uh, about that. And they had the best record in football at 13-4. and four. And what really is the difference for the, for the Ravens and what makes them the, the, the choice, not just to win this game, but to win the whole thing? To, 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 to represent the AFC and win the Super Bowl this year is that they've played their best games against, against the best competition. Because they've had to play, they had to play the Lions this year. They had to play the 49ers. They had to play the Jaguars. And um, let's see, who else? The, obviously the Bengals. They played the, the AFC South, or North, excuse me, this year. So they had to play the Steelers. They had to play the Browns, two playoff teams. They had to play the Bengals, one of the top teams in the AFC that was actually playing some really good football uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, they swept the Bengals this year. They've already beaten the Texans once. Granted, that was in, uh, in week one. But then the Lions come to town, or their first game against the Browns, they won 28-3 to in Cleveland. Then uh, a few weeks later, they play the Lions in Baltimore, and I've talked about that game a thousand times where by the time the Lions got their very first first down of the game, number one, it was halfway through the second quarter, and it was already 28 to nothing in that game. And, and mercifully, this final score was only 38 to six, but it was never, never that close. Everything Baltimore wanted to do, they did so uh, easily. Fast forward two weeks later, the Seahawks, who I think were in first, pl- they were in first place in the NFC West at the time. Uh, when they came into town, 37-3 to uh, this time. The, they beat the Bengals in Joe Burrow's last game of the season. That's the game he got injured in. Um, they squeaked that one out against the Rams. They beat up the Jaguars 23-7. to And then for the big Christmas night, Monday night football game, they go to uh, the 49ers and win that one, 33-19. to And I watched that game. That wasn't, it wasn't a 14-point game. It was a lot worse. Uh, than that and then for the cherry on top the other best team in the AFC who at the time was the number two seed in the AFC the Miami Dolphins 56 to 19 um, in that football game so they played their best games against the best teams on their schedule you know single digits allowed to the Texans they swept the Bengals they beat the Browns the first time, 28-3, to and in the second time, it took heroics from Deshaun Watson uh, to get them past the, uh, like the one bad game that they had on defense this year was that loss to the Browns. Most points they gave up all season. Most points, that, and before then, it was the 24 points they gave up to the Bengals was as bad as it got. But it's really like, you know, and I've talked about the Ravens a lot this year, obviously, because they've been one of the best teams from the beginning, but it's one of those teams that you like, it took a while for you to really kind of trust them. You know what I mean? It's just that they would have these games, like they would go out and then they, they plastered the lions 38 to six and the lions are playing some really good football at the time. And I thought the lions would win that game. And then they go on the road the following week to Arizona and barely squeak one out against the Cardinals. But then the following week, they're back at home. They're playing another first-place team in the Seahawks, 37-3. to It was never a contest. And then they follow that up by blowing a lead to the Browns and, the Brown- and ended up losing 
that football game. But since losing that game to the Browns, they won six in a row before basically putting their C team on the field to lose to the Steelers. Because if they put their best on the field, they probably run the Steelers out of town. The Pittsburgh Steelers never get to make it, make the playoffs and get embarrassed last weekend to the uh, Bills. But, you know, but it really wasn't until that winning streak started that, that you know, beating the line or beating the uh, Bengals, squeaking that one out against the Rams who, who were peaking at the time. They were, they were trending up. So it, it, the further we've gotten away from that win over the Rams, the better that win looked. It's like rather than being like, oh, man, they are struggling against this, you know, six and seven team or whatever they were uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, what are they doing? They're at home. This thing's going to overtime. What's the deal? And But ever since then, it's like, oh, the Rams, they almost won last week against the Lions. They made the playoffs. They went 10-7 and seven, uh, this year. So that was the win that got better looking the further we got away from it. But it's like after the Rams, it was total domination in the final three games. At the Jaguars, at the 49ers, home for the Dolphins, 23-7, to 33-19, 56-19. Nobody wants to play the Ravens right now. But, but, the last time they were in this spot, they were on a similar trajectory. Lamar Jackson won an MVP. They were one of the more dominating teams at 14-2 and two to make the playoffs. It was, it's either the, I think it was the, the second to last year that we had the 16-game schedule because I think 2020 was the last year we did 16 games. 14-2 and two that year. Easily the number one seed in the AFC. They got the week off and then come the divisional round. Here come the uh, Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans whooped them. The Titans whooped them. And it was just kind of like this, this epidemic now. Because as a rookie in 2018, Lamar Jackson was the starting quarterback for the last several weeks of the season. They get into the playoffs, and they were bounced in the first round. And then here we are. We're as dominating a team. There was never a more sure bet to make the Super Bowl in 2019 than the Baltimore Ravens because they played great defense. They had this triple threat of a uh, you know quarterback uh, in Lamar Jackson who had an MVP season, and they did what, what championship teams do. In January, they were the best in defense, and they ran the football better than anybody in the NFL, and none of it mattered uh, against the Titans because the Titans went out there with Ryan Tannehill and won that game to earn themselves a date to uh, Arrowhead to play the uh, Chiefs where they went up early and then ended up blowing the the lead uh, to KC. But so it's – this is they've been here in this position before because everyone would argue that Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the NFL in 2023. They are the head and shoulders number one seed in the AFC. They've had their week off. They're come, you know, they're going to be at home against this team that had to win a playoff game. Um, that you know, that barely got into the playoffs, kind of like the Titans did that year in 2019. And here they are coming in to place the number one seed in the AFC, playing good football right now. Probably played, I would say that, you know, D'Amico Ryans might say that was the best game that they played all season uh, against the Browns. Offense, defense, everybody 
got it done. They got a couple of pick sixes out of Joe Flacco. Uh, they only had they only needed twenty one pass attempts from C.J. Stroud to put up forty five points on the number one defense in the NFL. Not the AFC. Not in the division. In the entire NFL, nobody was better than the Browns statistically. Anyway, and uh, they put forty five points on what was the best defense in football. And they're coming in against this team. You know, will they be rusty? Will they? Will it take them a minute to get warmed up? And C.J. Stroud and and, and company, who uh, are relatively healthy coming into uh, this ball game, can they? Uh, you know, jump out in front, and before the Ravens know what's up, they're in uh, in trouble. They're going to be playing without Marlon Humphrey, who's one of the best corners in the league right now. Just looking at their uh, injury report at the moment. Marlon Humphrey is out. Deshaun, Delshawn Phillips is questionable for the game. So, yeah, that's what they're dealing with right now is uh, Marlon Humphrey is the big uh, omission uh, for them. The Texans, on the other hand, let's take a look at their injuries. Jerry Hughes is out. George Fant, one of their starting offensive linemen, is questionable. Their fullback, Andrew Beck, is questionable. So, banged up, but they'll probably play. Beck is a back injury. Joel Fant has an illness, so I'm sure that means he'll be fine, or at least fine enough to play on um, Saturday. So I don't really have much to say as far as X's and O's and what these teams need to do in order to beat one another. In my opinion, that stuff goes out the window uh, during the playoffs. It really does. I mean, I know that teams have strategies and they want to stick to their strengths and do what they do best uh, and everything, but it's it's different in the postseason. The stakes are so high. It's win or go home. There is no tomorrow for the loser, and – I think that really does feed a lot into how these teams take, the, how they approach these games. And that's why I think the Texans are as dangerous an opponent as the Ravens could have gotten stuck with in this, uh, in this divisional round. You know, this is a team that has nothing to lose. They're playing with house money. Number one, I mean, like you heard me say at the top of the show, nobody thought the Texans were going to be here. Outside of that Texans locker room, nobody was like, "Yep, the Texans, they're going to make the they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to win the division, and they're going to win a playoff game before, you know, they head off to it's like they're playing with house money. They're in a uh, very much a just happy to be here type situation, but not playing like it. You know, they're they're not uh, staring up in awe at the bright lights of the playoffs. They are too busy getting the job done. And the Ravens have very much been that team that everybody expected to be here, you know, especially once the season got underway and they started dismantling good football teams this season. On the, from the outside looking in, both Saturday games, the Ravens and Texans, the Packers and 49ers, both won seeds in each conference playing against teams that shouldn't be here. As far as looking at the beginning of the season, no one was putting the Packers in the playoffs. No one was putting the Texans anywhere near the playoffs. And yet the obstacle to getting to the Super Bowl are these two teams that don't want to go away. So like I said, the Texans on a seven and three run at the end of the season, 
the Packers went on a similar run, six and two, or at least seven and two, to be in the spot that they're in now, including last weekend's victory over the uh, Cowboys. Jordan Love, 21 touchdowns, one interception in his last like 10 games or whatever it is. Just an insane um, disparity um, between, you know, touchdown and interception. A 21 to 1 touchdown interception ratio, pretty damn good. And, you know, the Texans very much do remind me of like that Titans, the Titans team of 2019. And that Titans team of 2019 was the team that ended Tom Brady's time in New England. That was the team that uh, sent uh, New England packing and ended Tom Brady's tenure because he was in Tampa Bay the uh, following offseason. So everybody's like, you know, all season long, could this be Brady's last year in in New England? And they barely make the playoffs, and they have to go to Tennessee, and they got beat. They got beat. Brady's last throw as a uh, as the quarterback in the New England Patriots was a pick six that uh, put the game out of reach uh, for them. And then they come on the road. They're at the number one seed, uh, Baltimore Ravens, and this was this was a no brainer, a no brainer. The the they're just Lamar Jackson's going to work his magic. The Titans are going to do you know aren't aren't going to be able to do much of anything, and the Titans will or excuse me the Ravens will be hosting the AFC Championship game next week. This reeks of that. It absolutely reeks of that. The Texans taking on. The team, and it's like, like I said in the review episode uh, the other day, the reason that I was so confident that the Browns would win this game had nothing to do with the inexperience or anything like that. It had everything to do with past history saying that the teams that succeed in the postseason, and it has nothing to do with weather or anything like that. It has everything in, to do with being able to impose your will on your opponents, which is a very big thing in postseason football. It's going to be the team that plays great defense and runs the football because you control the game, you control the clock, you're wearing down your opponent, and on defense, you're not letting anything through. The Browns reeked of a team that could easily go on a run as far as NFL history concerns, and they ran the Browns out of the stadium last week. That was, to me, one of the easiest picks that I made last week. I put 14 on the Browns. Last week to beat the Texans. 14. Or was that? No, 12. Put 12 on the Browns. 14 on the Dallas beating the Packers. Because the Dallas Cowboys run the football and they play defense. Eh, the hell do I know? Apparently. So, D'Amico Ryans, Bobby Slowick, they get a second bite at the apple. And that's what, that's what else is really interesting about this. Is that a few weeks ago when the Texans played the Browns, now, granted, like, like I said, they didn't have C.J. Stroud. They were missing some guys in that game. And the defense gave up, you know, 400 yards passing to Flacco. A record-breaking day for Amari Cooper and, and everything like that. And But fast forward three weeks later, Amari Cooper's still out there. Joe Flacco's still out there. 14 points all in the first half and a big goose egg in the second half as they easily run away. From the Browns, so you wonder if you know number one, maybe the Texans, uh, the Ravens, would be a little overconfident. Um, you got this rookie coming in here, this first-year head coach against this very seasoned team, this team that's been the best team in the league for almost you know basically all season, but especially for the last month or so, you don't see anybody out there better than them. 
And, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm going to take the Ravens, but with the way that the, uh, that the Yahoo points are set up for this one, it's definitely one of those where I, uh, let's see, our choices are 4, 8, 12, and 16. Those are the ratings. And as far as confidence in this game, it's going to be my four or my eight point game because, and it's not nothing to do with, I don't think that the Baltimore Ravens can lose or that, you know, I'm pretty confident they will win, but with the way Houston is playing, the way that this kind of sounds so familiar or feels so familiar, uh, like they did with the Titans in 2019, Will history repeat itself on Saturday? It would be a hell of a thing, a hell of a thing, if the Texans went ahead and won this game on Sunday. And I would be surprised, but truthfully, I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked to sit here on Monday and talk to you guys about how this game went down. And and I'm not going to sit here and say I told you so uh, or anything like that because I still believe the Ravens will win this game, but I can't count Houston out. They're playing too well right now, and you know we've already seen what happens when the Texans get a second bite at the apple. They beat the um, they lost Week Two to the Colts. They beat them at the end uh, of the season. They lost a few weeks ago to the Browns. They smoked them here in the playoffs just this past Saturday, and uh, and and things like that. So I just like I. I can't count out the Texans, so that's why I'd probably put a low confidence on it just so that I don't get damaged too bad if, uh, if the upset comes through. But uh, overall, I think the, uh, the Ravens will win this one on Saturday. <laughs> Boy, that was a mouthful. Wasn't it Saturday's other matchup, the evening matchup, the Packers at the 49ers, these teams have a very ominous past with one another in the playoffs. Unfortunately for Green Bay, it's one that usually ends with San Francisco winning. And much like the Ravens and Texans, you look at this thing, you see 12-5, and five, the number one seed against this team in the Packers that barely got in to the playoffs and then won a basically caught the Cowboys with their pants down uh, last week, the 49ers aren't going to allow that to happen. They're at home as well. They are the NFC's Ravens, where they've been the best team pretty much from start to finish throughout the year. All they have to do is go out there and get it done. They have their own MVP candidate at quarterback in Brock Purdy. They have Christian McCaffrey, led the league in rushing, 1,459 yards and 14 touchdowns this season to go along with however many he caught um, because it was him and um, Raheem Mostert from the Dolphins that were going back and forth on who had the touchdown lead uh, this season. I think McCaffrey did go ahead and um, and claim it. Brandon Ayuk got over 1,300 yards uh, receiving. Debo Samuel still doing Debo Samuel things. And George Kittle still one of the best tight ends uh, in football to go along with the uh, offensive line that is among the best in the league as well, despite making some changes. They had to replace Mike McGlinchey uh, this season. Trent Williams has missed a game or two uh, as well. So they dealt with some injuries at times. They had that weird three-game losing streak 
uh, in in the middle of the uh, season. But it's like after that three-game losing streak, the only game they lost was to the Ravens on Christmas night, and then they cleared their benches last week again, or two weeks ago uh, against the Rams in the uh, season finale, and the Rams ended up winning that game just barely, but they won it uh, in L.A. So, you know, they're they're 12-5, and five and they're easily one of the most dominant teams in the league this season. It's basically been Baltimore and San Francisco going back and forth on who the best team in the league has been uh, this year when, when people like myself weren't making arguments for the Eagles when they were going 10-1. and one. But, uh, yeah, no one's really been saying that much about the Eagles the last six weeks, including myself. So this one is, is, uh, is interesting because the, the 49ers have had their bouts with poor play, and the 49ers have shown the world that the key to beating them is forcing them into mistakes because their their loss to I don't remember so much their loss to Cleveland but definitely their loss to Minnesota was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. McCaffrey fumbled the football early uh in the football game, Purdy threw two interceptions late in that one and they lost to the Vikings on Monday night football. Fast forward a week later when they lost to the Bengals. I think Purdy threw like three interceptions in that game. But and it's just like go back and look at the the wins versus the losses and the turnovers in the games that they won versus how many turnovers they had in the games that they lost. And they won 12 and they lost 5 and I think that turnover wise it's like 2 to 1 in the 5 games they lost versus the 12 games that they won. When they keep the ball, when they keep the, themselves clean, no mistakes, no turnovers and things like that, the 49ers virtually guarantee themselves a win. So that's where the Packers are going to need to be opportunistic uh, on defense. They did that with the the Cowboys on Saturday. They got Dak to turn over the football. Uh, two interceptions, both set up scores. One led to a score. The other one was a pick six, uh, in, all in the first half, when they, which had them up 27 to nothing uh, after that pick six uh, and everything. But it's possible. So and and that's what happened against the uh, the Ravens, the last game. I want to say the last real game that the Forty ers lost. I don't really count that Week eighteen loss to the to the Rams because nobody was playing in that game. But against the Ravens, we thought it was going to be this tooth and nail fight to the finish between these two great defenses and these two very efficient, effective offenses. And instead, it was a Brock Purdy turnover. Uh, carousel that uh, helped the Ravens run away with this football game. And um, so it's like there's the blueprint for beating the 49ers. It's not that hard as far as what you need, figuring out what you need to do in order to uh, turn things around on the 49ers. You got to get them making mistakes. You got to get Purdy turning over uh, the football. And the Packers were opportunistic last week against the Cowboys and Jordan Love has been extremely efficient uh, with the football. You've already heard me say it at least three times in this show, 21 touchdowns, one interception over the last, I think, 10 ball games of the season. And I don't know if that includes the playoff game against the uh, Cowboys or not, but it's uh, a wicked, wicked impressive run that Love uh, has been on. And the only time I really don't like hearing about the Jordan Love and how well he's doing is – 
while he's doing it to the Bears. Outside of that, you know, it's awesome what he's doing. But he, when he did it week 18 against the Bears and it was another goddamn loss to Green Bay, I'll get over it one of these days. And I was talking to a buddy of mine about it the other day. Last night, as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, it, it's the one win that every Bear fan wants just to beat the Green Bay Packers. Because going into, like, the Lions game or the Vikings game, our other division rivals, no matter how good or bad that, that those teams are, you don't dread those games. You don't dread the game against the Lions. You don't dread the game against the Vikings, no matter how good they're playing, because it's been a very back and forth. It's an actual rivalry. Sorry for the tangent, but I'm just you know stuck on this for the moment. But it's an actual rivalry. With Green Bay, there's no doubt the Bears and Packers are rivals, but it hasn't been a rivalry in a very long time. Not in my opinion, not since the Lovey Smith days. Because under Lovey, there was it was there was actual back and forth and actual dominance for a little while for the Bears and you know winning games. Lovey had an outstanding record against Green Bay in his first like five or six seasons uh, as the coach. But ever basically ever since Aaron Rodgers took over it you know Rodgers went what 22 and 5 against the Bears in the 12 13 years that he was the starting quarterback for Packers and everything and here we are Jordan Love's already 2 and 0 uh against us so it hasn't been a rivalry since 2008 when Rodgers took over we've beat him 5 times in that <laughs> in 15 years we've beat the Packers 5 times and the last time we beat Green Bay was when we won the division in 2018 because we got stepped in 2019, 2020, 21, 22, and again this year. We've lost 10 in a row to Green Bay. So the only time I don't like hearing about Jordan Love and how great he is <laughs> is when he's beating up on the Bears. Otherwise, it's like, as a football fan, it's great. I like to see it. but And I hope to see it again on Sunday, Saturday. Excuse me. I don't want to see the Packers get run off the uh, field, but I don't like their chances against the 49ers because like I said there's there's an easy blueprint on how to get the 49ers on their heels and how to beat them the Packers run the ball extremely well with Aaron Jones uh Jordan Love and that bevy of young receivers that he has uh you know can definitely hurt you and and especially with those tight ends with Kraft and and Musgrave they got some they got a good thing going on there and they've got a good coach in LaFleur because that's the been the main problem between the Bears and the Packers that we get out coached every time it just seems like they always, you know, go back and watch any Bears-Packers game. How many times are the wide receivers for the Packers or the tight ends wide open to a ridiculous degree versus any time a Chicago Bear receiver catches the ball, there are three guys right there to tackle him immediately. So just go back and look at that. That's coaching. That's all there is. They're being able to scheme their guys into a spot that's extremely advantageous. The Bears can't seem to figure that out. But... Anyway, it, it can be done for sure. But uh, I, I, I like the 49ers getting them to turn over the football. It, it's kind of like just look at the what I told you before, the ratio of turnovers when they win, the ratio of turnovers when they lose. So it shows that basically for the 49ers, when it rains, it pours. If they start turning over the football, it becomes a very bad night very, very quickly. But more times than not, they are efficient. They do hang on to the football. They are the better team, and I believe they will be on uh, Saturday as well, and the Cinderella Packers will be sent packing. 
on to the Sunday games, and hopefully I won't be as long-winded with these two. Um, Because I think these are the easier picks. Believe it or not, I think these are the easier picks. The Lions over the Buccaneers and the Bills over the Chiefs. And I feel like this is destiny for Buffalo. That, you know, they have like the craziest regular season of all time where at one point they're dead in the water. They're 6-6 and after they lose that game uh, to Philadelphia. And, you know, they're going into their bye week and it's just like they're done. They're done. They've been ravaged by injuries, especially on the defensive side, all the rest of that stuff. I guess we're talking about the Chiefs and Bills. We're just going to skip the Lions and the Buccaneers for a minute. But, you know, the Bills were dead in the water, man. They were done. They were three games behind the uh, the Dolphins in the AFC East at the time. The only benefit that they had was that they shared the division with the Jets and the Patriots, who were just equally terrible, or actually even more so, especially the Patriots. So that was the only reason they were even in second place at the time and still in any kind of playoff discussions because the rest of the def- the rest of the division was trash with the Jets and the uh and the Patriots. But it's like after that bye week, they won five straight. They beat the Dolphins week 18 to win the division and then this past Monday um they with uh, they withstand the storms and everything so they could play that game against the Steelers and made easy work uh, of Mike Tomlin. And the uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers to uh, move into position to host the Chiefs in a playoff game for the first time in a very long time. I mean, I think it's been since that AFC Championship game against Montana and the Chiefs back in '93. I think that was the last time the the Chiefs and the Bills have played in Buffalo in the playoffs because the, uh, the that epic matchup in 2021 that I mentioned. Before, where it was just one touchdown back and forth after another. Just an epic, epic game. And, uh, you know, Gabe Davis with the four touchdown catches uh, in that one. That crazy Tyreek Hill uh, touchdown. The, the, the whole 13 seconds to set up the game-tying field goal thing. It's just a bananas game. That was all an arrowhead. And the the last, I think, three regular season matchups, because these teams keep finishing in first place, which means they keep playing each other every single year. All of those matchups, for one reason or another, have all been in Kansas City. And they've been beating Kansas City in Kansas City. But the thing that was frustrating, and it had to be for Buffalo, because I actually tweeted about this during the season when they were, it was somewhere right around the time that they were going to finish. I think they lost like three out of four to be six and six. And I was like, is it just... Completely maddening being a Bills fan. For them to play so well during the regular season, they can beat the Chiefs and and everything in the regular season in Arrowhead. But then they always seem to lose these games that make no sense during the regular season that cost them the opportunity to be playing the Chiefs in Buffalo instead of having to go to Arrowhead and do it again. And because it just seemed like it was happening again. The way that I think I, I think I tweeted it out when they struggled to beat the the 49ers that one or excuse me not the 49ers the Giants they won that game against the Giants like 14 to 9 on like Sunday night football or Monday night football or whatever it was 14 to 9 against the Giants team that couldn't score a touchdown against you and me and nine of our closest friends and it's like they were just they couldn't manage anything on offense this season but they almost beat the Bills um this year and despite all that despite being Six and six, and looking like they were dead in the water. They go on that five game run. They win the division. They're the two seed 
in the AFC after it's all said and done, which is what finally put them in the spot this season to be hosting the Chiefs instead of trying to win another playoff game or trying to win a playoff game in Arrowhead because they own the Chiefs regardless of the location during the regular season, and they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead this year. And I'm sure the Chiefs, are, and especially Chiefs fans, I haven't seen it much on Twitter or at all, quite frankly. Here we are going into Friday now uh, with it. I haven't seen anybody mention the the only reason they won is because of the whole Kadarius Tony offside thing because that wiped out that touchdown that would have given the Chiefs the lead. But there was Kadarius Tony standing on the Bills side of the line scrimmage and which is the funny thing about that is like no one disagrees that that Tony was offsides. It was more upset. Like you can't make that call at that time. You can't call that at that time. If, if not, then win, you know, and, and it didn't look good. The referees missed it like three other times in the game. That wasn't the only time Tony lined up like that, but nonetheless, it happened the way it did. The chiefs weren't, you know, the, the world dominant beaters that they've been in, in the past five, six seasons. And for the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era, they're going on the road for the playoffs this year. Every playoff game the Chiefs have played in since 2018, since Mahomes became their starting quarterback in that season, was played in Arrowhead. They've hosted the last five AFC championship games. The last five have all been in Arrowhead. They won three of them. They got two Super Bowl victories out of it. But they haven't had to play a game on the road because they've either been the number one seed or the highest seed still standing uh, when it came down to it. And Because uh, that's what it was in 2021. They were the two seed in 2021, but the Bengals beat the, the one seed, uh, which was the Titans. So that's why KC, again, gets to host the AFC Championship game. So they've either been the one seed or the highest seed still standing when it comes to the championship round. That's not the case. They weren't the highest seed of anything. They won their division. They were the three seed uh, this year, which is why they ended up going to Buffalo uh, to play the Bills in, uh, I want to say, Rich Stadium. I know it's not called that anymore, but I grew up, it was Rich Stadium. Um, or is it Buffalo Bills State? I don't know what that is. Where they play football and have my entire lifetime, they played football in the same stadium. So that's where they're playing on Sunday in uh, – 5.30 to start, too, so late afternoon type deal. I'm really looking forward to this game, and I think anybody who's a football fan, this is the game you got circled because Houston and, and Baltimore, Green Bay, and San Francisco, those should be interesting games going into them. How they turn out, that's up to the football gods. Uh, even the game that we're skipping over at the moment, the Buccaneers and the Lions, could be interesting, especially if uh, the Buccaneers and, and Todd Bowles can put together a uh, cohesive uh, game plan on defense to kind of slow down and or shut down the uh, Lions. But the game everybody wants to watch is Allen versus Mahomes. This is, this is a rematch. Not so much of the game that was played earlier this year, but they didn't get to play each other last season in the, uh, in the postseason. The, the, the Bengals eliminated the Bills on the way to playing KC in the AFC Championship game last year. Now they actually, this is their playoff rematch. This is, they finally get to do this again, only they get to do it on Hallen's home turf instead of Mahomes. And, um, yeah, 
I like the Bills so much in this game. I really, really do. I, I think that uh, – I don't, and I don't think this is going to be a passing of the guard by any stretch of the imagination because Buffalo would still have to get past Baltimore to make the Super Bowl um, or possibly host the Texans next Sunday. Wouldn't that be something? C.J. Stroud versus uh, Josh Allen. That would be crazy. But um, it could happen. I wouldn't be shocked. It would be surprising, but I wouldn't be shocked. We're like, yeah, you know, I kind of thought this might happen. <laughs> and, I'm, and honestly, I'm not hedging my bets either. I'm not. I legitimately think the Texans can win this game. It's, it's kind of like the way that I always kind of tiptoe around the, the Bears picks. It's like, do I think the Bears can win? Sure. Absolutely. And I can even tell you how they can win the game. Do I think they will? Yeah, probably not. No, I don't think so. That's how I feel about the Texans. Can they win this? Absolutely. You know, they maybe force a turnover or two. C.J. Stroud doesn't turn the ball over. The offensive line protects it because the Browns didn't sack C.J. Stroud last weekend. They never got close. C.J. Stroud stayed clean in the pocket, had all the time, found his receivers, bang, done. And this one... It's, it's going to come down to Josh Allen one way or the other, in my opinion. It'll come down to Josh Allen because Josh Allen went on this run. He threw 18 interceptions. I think that did end up leading the league because every time that I mentioned it before, he had turned the ball over more than anybody in football this year. And he finished the season with 29 touchdowns but also 18 interceptions. And I don't think he turned the ball over in the playoff game. Against the uh, against the Steelers. Let me see. Nope, no interceptions. Three touchdowns, no interceptions against the Steelers on uh, Monday. So very uh, very interesting. The Bills are also seven and two at home this season. So you know things looking good on that front as well. And as far as you know, the regular season. Buffalo has Kansas City's number. And there was nothing that I saw from Kansas City in that game against the Dolphins that says, oh, they've turned the corner and they're the Chiefs again. I didn't see that. Okay, what I saw is what we've been seeing all season long from the Chiefs is, you know, Mahomes is still Mahomes and he has his moments from time to time. And that young defense that Spagnolo has has playing out of their minds right now was opportunistic and savage, as they have been all season long. So that's why I say this is going to come down to Josh Allen. Because if he turns the ball over like he has at times throughout the season, 18 interceptions, and that's not to mention the fumbles as well. I think he's well into the 20s as far as how many actual turnovers he's had all season long. Allen's got to protect the football. He did it last week against the Steelers. It was an easy win for him. If he can do it against the Chiefs on Sunday night, I really love Buffalo's chance to win this game. I really, really do. I'm, I'm I, like I'm sentimental towards the Bills just because I'd like to see him finally get past the Chiefs, and it's boring that the Chiefs keep winning. So I'm not a Chiefs hater by any stretch of the imagination. It's Mahomes is one of the greatest of all time. And I love watching the guy play. I really, really do. But I, I would just love to see somebody else. And, and it was the same thing with, with Brady and the Patriots. It's not so much that I didn't appreciate what they were doing. It's just that 
you know, I want to see somebody else do it. Let's see someone else take charge and everything. And I don't, like I said, I don't think this would be like a passing of the torch or anything like that. Like, oh, now it's the Bills conference, uh, you know, for the next decade uh, or whatever. It's like we might be watching that happen in Baltimore right now. But I definitely think that this would be exercising a demon uh, for the Bills to, you know, avenge that that loss in 2021 and uh, go to the AFC championship game and have an outside chance of hosting it against the Texans if they can pull off a miracle uh, against Baltimore. But I am way more sure of picking the Bills over the Chiefs than I am the Texans over the Ravens. That's just how I feel uh, about it. So we'll see. Because, I, I, like I said, I haven't seen anything from the Chiefs that says the Chiefs are back and that we need to be worried about them. Obviously, that's always there because Mahomes is still there. And Andy Reid is leading the team, and that defense is playing out of its mind right now. But I still, I think Allen and the Bills are going to come out on top here. And then real quick, before we get out of here, the Lions and the Buccaneers, I think this has the potential to be the one blowout game of the weekend. Like as far as like, as far as like if I'm betting on which one of these four games will be the blowout, this is the one that I'm, I'm betting on. Now, it's another rematch. The, uh, the Chiefs and the Bills played in the regular season. The Texans and the, and the Ravens played in the regular season. And the Lions and the Buccaneers played in the regular season. And it was a very lopsided uh, affair where the Lions won at 20-6 to in Tampa Bay. This one's taking place in the Dome in Detroit uh, on Sunday afternoon. That, that place should be batshit insane uh, to be in. <laughs> because they exercised the playoff demon by winning and beating Matt Stafford in the process. And I don't think that they're ready to rest on their laurels just yet. I don't think Dan Campbell is the guy that would be like, okay, if the season ended now, then we're satisfied. Like, no, no, it's just like they've, there's blood in the water now. You know, the Lions, you know, know that they, uh, that they're for real. They beat they beat Matt Stafford. They, they, they ended a 30-year drought in playoff victories because even in the rare occasion where they've made the playoffs since 1991, they were always one and done. They were always out after the first round. And now here they are. They've, thanks, to the, uh, thanks to the Packers of all teams beating the Cowboys, they're hosting this game instead of having to go to Dallas and – avenge the loss from a few weeks ago instead they're at home playing a team that they handled earlier in the season and um you know I just um and also as a Bears fan that's been in the cellar with the Lions the last several years I'm living vicariously through them if I'm rooting for anybody in the playoffs right now it's the Detroit Lions I gotta admit that's the team that I want to see win the whole damn thing like, I would be equally happy that the Lions win, not because the Bears are out, the Lions are my team. And it's like, I'm, I've always been the guy that likes to see the underdog win. I've always been the guy that wants to see these programs return to a former glory. And, um, you know, the Lions have been that team that's, you know, been bottom dwellers basically my whole life. Aside from, you know, a handful of years here and there when Barry Sanders uh, was on the team that uh, you know that the up and down times they had with Stafford in the early in the early teens, 
2011, 2014, uh, and everything. During Jim Caldwell era, I think they made the playoffs a time or two, but they were always one and done. They were always out first. And here they are with their – this is the best chance they've had to go to a Super Bowl since that team – in 91, and that team in 91 did make it to the NFC Championship game where they played the then Redskins, um, and they got killed because the Redskins were one of the best teams of all time, that 91 Redskins team. But, um, yeah, I'm not ex- – I mean, it's Todd Bowles and their defense. They've won championships down there in Tampa Bay with his defense uh, before. Uh, Jared Goff is not some impenetrable – you know, a guy that uh, doesn't make mistakes or whatever. He's very poised under the pocket, but if you want to rattle him, get him under pressure, you want to force a mistake, it is possible. Hell, we watched the Bears do it twice this season. You know, I think in the two games we played against Goff, we got six turnovers out of him. Three interceptions uh, in, in the first game, and I think two picks and a fumble in the second one. I mean, it was, yeah, you want to see, you want to see Jared Goff get rattled, just put him under Put him under pressure. He's good under pressure, but more. But you are definitely increasing the odds of a mistake in your favor by getting him uh, under pressure. Uh, but all in all, for me, the surest bet of the weekend is Detroit beating Tampa Bay. So I'm not going to draw this thing out because I got long-winded with the Texans and the Ravens in the beginning there. But, you know, I love playoff time. It sucks that my team hasn't, isn't a part of it and hasn't been for God knows how long. But, uh, you know, you see really great football. You see the best. The cream always rises uh, in the playoffs, and it's not always the team with the best record. We've seen that happen many times. I mean, hell, the two years that the Giants won with Eli in 07 and in 2011, they were 9-7 and seven and 10-6, and six, and they were, not, they were not one seeds or anything like that going into the playoffs. I think when they won it in, in 2007, they were the sixth seed. And in 2011, they were like the four seed or something like that. They've never been the best team in the conference when they went on to win the Super Bowl in either of those seasons. Hell, the last time the Packers won the Super Bowl, they were the sixth seed, the last team to get in uh, to the playoffs. And they went all the way to the Super Bowl and beat the Steelers uh, in Dallas, ironically. But we've seen it all happen before. I mean, the two times that the Ravens have won the Super Bowl, neither time they were the number one seed. Uh, in the AFC. They were just the team playing the best football at the time. So it's like now we get to find out if the Packers, excuse me, if the 49ers and the Ravens are those teams. They didn't get to play last week. They they had the rest that everybody covets so much. Will it be a virtue or a vice? You know, would it have been better for them to keep playing and, you know, play last weekend instead of resting everyone and all that kind of stuff and everyone's rusty and or running the risk of them being rusty uh, and things like that, we'll find out. And we'll find out on Saturday because they're up first. We'll see how the, if the one seeds survive and how the conference rounds will uh, turn out. So come back on Monday. I'll probably back and have it out on, on Monday night. I'll do the show on, uh, on Monday morning after the games are all wrapped up. Hell, maybe I'll even get uh, squirrely and do it Sunday night since the, the, the last game is at 5.30, so it should be over before 9.00. Um, I would think. So we'll see. Keep your eyes on the social media at BTU underscore Larry for uh, Twitter and Instagram. And there's always the Facebook page as well to just the Facebook group. Search Bears Talk Underground and join in on the discussion. So 
Come back Monday. It'll either be released sometime during the day on Monday or first thing Monday morning if I end up doing the show on Sunday after the games uh, are done. So until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase. See you next time, guys.